Happy Sabbath, everyone. It is always a pleasure to join you um, wherever you may be here in Loma Linda or anywhere across the United States or across the world. We love, love having you join us. Please continue to send those messages to us. We'd love to respond, hear your questions, um, expand our thoughts of the Sabbath schools. So thank you so much for joining us. I have two wonderful co-hosts here today, just like we had last week. But before I introduce them again, let's have a word of prayer. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for the privilege of your word, that you would give your scriptures to us so that we can understand, that we can grow, that we could grow in our knowledge of you, knowledge of how you are working in this world and partner with you in, mm. in such powerful ways. Bless us and guide us with your Holy Spirit today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Philip, Kelly, it's so great to have you again for the second week in a row. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for joining us. Thanks for having us. It's so fun to be here. Yes. I feel younger just being with you. <laughs> Miguel's really old, I guess. I we won't tell that to Miguel. We Nobody tell Miguel I said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's so great getting getting you to discuss with us and, and being a part of this it's discussion. A, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So we're almost to the end of this quarter. We're on lesson 12 of, of 13 weeks of, of the crucible. And it's been quite a journey going through the crucible, talking about different aspects of the crucible. Last week, we talked about waiting in the crucible. Now we're talking about the lesson focuses on this act of submission, right? Submitting to God. Do you struggle with submission in your life? Like when, when someone is a boss or an authority, do you chafe against that? Or are you the type of person that really just falls in line with authority? Are you what asking you me this in front of my boss? I think <laughs> I should answer this one first, Kelly. <laughs> well, I know Philip is a very nice and kind oh, boss man. that wouldn't cause any kind oh, of chafing. <laughs> so what would you say? Are Do you, like for me, it's interesting. My uh, culturally, as a Korean, I I really am a law follower, a ah, rule follower, ah. and yet one of my pet peeves is bossy people. Oh. So I really struggle with that. That's something mm. that God is helping me to grow. in. last week we talked about God places placing us in challenging situations yeah. so we can grow. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. He places bossy people in my life so I can grow. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a second born thing or something, but oh, man. that I, I do struggle with that. I For wonder guys, if it's a natural human disposition to realize like, hey, wait, I have some opinions and I don't know if these people are going along with what I'm imagining. So there's a little, at least within me, there's mm -hmm. this little rebellious spirit that just emerges every once in a while. Yeah. Or you just view things differently. Yeah. I don't know if it's, not knowing how to submit, but it's like, hey, I have my own ideas on this. I'd love to share them, but it's not that kind of relationship where you mm. can either express or people won't go along with what you're saying, yeah. what you're saying, because well, you're not the one in charge. Yeah. So I know, I know we pastors sometimes struggle with always wanting to be the one in charge. We're used to being in a place where we're in charge, right? So it's not uh, often easy to I will, let other I, people oh, be in yeah. charge. My wife, she'll she'll get on me sometimes. She's like, Philip, you're not the pastor right here in this situation with all of us. You don't have to get us to do everything like that. Like we're all, you know, just hanging out with all of our family together. And like, yeah. hey, this is I think <laughs> you don't so have to funny. put on your pastor hat. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I think. Phil does a really good job, actually, of giving out the duties to everyone and being like, hey, what do you think? I think that's why we work so well together, because I never feel like he's my actual boss. Like, mm. we're colleagues, you know? Yeah. But I joke that he's my boss, because yeah. Feels weird you did hire me. That. I, I think it's funny. I think it's funny. 
But ultimately, I'm a people pleaser. And mm. if someone needs a job done, I'm very quick to just be like, okay, I'll do it. I'm a yes girl. So yeah. if you yeah. ask me to do anything, I will just do it. I'll That's like, the problem with <laughs> Kelly. She's still learning the pastoral gift of delegation. Uh, and saying no. And saying no. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand that concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I understand that boundary. I need to work yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, today's lesson talks about that kind of submission. Of course, this is to God, not to other people. Right. right? right. So why don't we go into that passage? They, they describe, Paul describes in Philippians chapter 2, uh, the relationship that God, that Christ had with God when he was on this earth. Mm-hmm. So Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5, and I'll read 5 through 9. It says, Paul writes, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, which means that he was God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't feel like it's something that he had to hold on to but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself Mm. by becoming obedient to the point of death, Mm. even death on the cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Wow. Wow. So Paul describes how Christ had this attitude, this mindset that he had everything, right? Mm. He was privileged. He had power. He had authority. And yet he didn't hold on to that. Mm. Instead, he willingly let that go in order to come to this earth to be obedient even unto death. Mm. And he says, have that same mindset. So how do you, how do you take mm. what Paul is saying here? Um, what is Paul calling us to do? And um, what did Christ do for us? Mm. I mean, the passage here verse 7 and 8 takes this idea that he made himself nothing mm-hmm. in the translation that I'm, I'm reading. Yeah. Taking the very nature of a servant, that became his nature to yeah. serve. Wow. You know, there, there are many ways in which we can compare Christianity to other world religions. Mm. But this is a fascinating comparison to the gods of other religions mm. being they are powerful, they're great, they're glorious. And here in Christianity, we have this example of Jesus, who is God, taking on the form of puny, pesky, little humanity to be like them. This notion of submission to God's greater vision, you, you, Jesus, are going to save the world Mm -hmm. by becoming like them. Your divinity, your humanity merging together in one way so that the world might be saved. Submission was essential. Mm-hmm. It was essential. And I wonder when I think about submission in Christ's picture, it was essential. Is it essential for you and I mm. to likewise take on this role of a servant, humbling ourselves and being submissive? You know, it opens up a lot of questions. Who do I have to submit to? Mm. Everybody? You know, yeah. uh, what's my role? When do I have to submit? How do I submit to God? Like, how does all that work? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, you two? You know, what you're saying about the submission that, that God did for us, the, the, his willingness to humble himself and contrasting that, that to other religions, actually that concept was so foreign to people of Jesus' time that Paul writes that it was foolishness to the Greeks, right? That a God would come down to this earth and die, mm. you know, be obedient, to be submissive, become a human, and even die. I mean, that that concept was so foreign and so out of the bounds of how they viewed their gods that that they had difficulty accepting it. And yet, that is the revolutionary message of our our God in heaven is mm. bec- is that He loves us so much that He was willing to submit yeah. on our behalf. Yeah, and I think it speaks to God's character mm-hmm. of knowing that. A God who created him, he created people in the in equal likeliness to who he is because he wanted that companionship to show that love, to be in that perfect unity with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes to show that he ultimately sees us as his equals, yeah. which is kind of crazy to think about, right? But I think that's also why, like when you read verse 6, it says, who being in the very nature of God, did mm. not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But I also think of it as God 
God in flesh, um, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they see themselves as equal to each other. And what's amazing is that this Godhead also sees us as equal because of the love that he has for us, the equal equal in love and wanting to be in that perfect relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just goes to show his his character of yeah. how good he is, mm-hmm. of how much he's willing. You know, I think we see it as like, sacrifice but to him he's like no it makes sense mm. like i just want to be closer to you yeah. yeah i mean scripture talks about jesus being our elder brother mm-hmm. you know and so in that sense there is this equality that we become the family of god yeah which is not something as scripture say hey it isn't something jesus took for granted yeah and so likewise we too shouldn't take that for granted wow god became human don't take that for granted. He right. did this for you. He didn't have to in any way. But likewise, he bestows upon us all the responsibility. Hey, go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. I think it's tough to be submissive. <laughs> it honestly is. In so many ways, because it means sometimes you don't look like you're right. You don't carry the weight in a room. You don't seem to hold the the prestige of a space, mm-hmm. Jesus took on the towel and the basin with his disciples, it says. Again, choosing this way of service, humility, mm-hmm. humbleness. But I think it, it works out of this space that you were kind of hinting on. He knows his identity. Yeah. He doesn't have to be fearful. Well, if I do this, everyone else is going to devalue me. Yeah. And no longer am I going to be a great person in their eyes. Like, I know who I am. Yeah. I'm God. And I can do this. And God does this. And you can do this. It doesn't mean you're a nobody if you do this. Yeah. You know, so I love the idea of coming into church and no one has a title anymore. Right. Mm. Dr. So-and-so, thank you so much for, you know, taking out the garbage today. Professor So-and-so, thank you for driving the carts today. Mm. You know, I don't like people calling me pastor even because that idea like, hey, when we walk into space, we are equal amongst mm. each other. It doesn't matter what we did we serve one another here. Yes. This is the kingdom. This yeah. is Jesus' yeah. way. And that's also just how God sees us. There's mm. no hierarchy. Yeah. Like hierarchy no Jew, is no such, Greek. yeah, it's such like a human, like societal thing that we put upon mm-hmm. ourselves. But God sees us as equal, which is so cool to see that in a church when you walk in and you're like, oh, I just helped that person this week. But like, we're, we're all in the same boat here, mm. you know? That's so powerful. Yeah, that's a great point that you're making that, that, Self-confidence actually allows us, when we are confident in our identity in Christ, yes. how God yeah. values us and yes. sees us. Kelly made an excellent point last week about the importance of seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. Yeah. When we see ourselves the way that God sees us, it frees us to not have to constantly trying to prove our worth. Yes. Right? That actually comes from a place of insecurity. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Being insecure about our identity makes us constantly strive to Mm. prove to other people Mm. that we are worthy Mm. and you're saying that we don't need to do that no not at all not at all i think when you understand your worth you walk into a room differently you do you say things in a way that you recognize hey this matters yeah Uh, my opinion matters sitting at the table with all of you matters Mm. i remember as a young guy i was a little kid and i felt like i was i was i was part of my family but then there was the adult table mm. at lunchtime on Sabbath. And I really wanted to sit at the adult table. You would. And they made me, they made me sit over there kind of by myself because there wasn't a lot of space there when we were visiting no. my uncle that one day. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I thought I had a space at the table. What is this, you know? But that's the idea. Spiritually, you have a space at the table. God's provided a place for you. Mm. Don't worry. But, but with that, comes the necessity to recognize you're blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And if you hoard the blessing so that you might look like the best in a room, you've lost it. What did Jesus say? First shall be last and the last shall be first. When the reorder of God's kingdom, that's the idea. He always reorders the earthly kingdom Mm -hmm. to the heavenly kingdom way. Yeah. That's powerful to realize that's what I'm called to do, but it's so hard to do it. You know, that's the irony of the first sin, I think, because Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, right? Mm. In the likeness of God. 
And yet, what was the the sin that Eve committed? What was the deception? Well, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God, God, right? So Eve thought that she still, Adam and Eve both, thought that they still had to get something from a fruit in order to be like God when God had already created them to in be like Him. In His image. Yeah. 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 So, so and, and that's that's the struggle I think that we often face. And what the lesson all you know describes beautifully when it talks about the concept of substitution, how when we don't have a firm grasp of what God is offering to us and who God is and how God sees us, mm. we try to substitute that with other things. We try mm. to fill our lives with other things, trying to get to the place that God already put us, mm. right? Trying to prove our worth in mm. ways so we don't we feel unworthy, so we chase after fame. Mm. When God is saying, you don't need to be famous. I love the Francesca Battistelli's um, song, I don't need to be fame, famous. Um, I'm already famous in my father's eyes. I yes. think it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like if we just saw how God sees us, mm. we would no longer have to chase for things that we think will make us yes. worthy. Yeah, and oh, I think yeah. also when you sit in that knowingness of that self-confidence, of that self-worthiness, mm. submitting doesn't feel like submitting anymore, yes. right? Yes. You do it out of love. You do it out of knowing where your place is. Yeah. So everything you do is just like, hey, can I help you? Mm. Hey, can I just be here to... To you know, like mop up the mess that we just made. There's there's no such thing as as submission anymore because mm. everything you do is out of love and humility, mm. yeah. right? And you continue mm. that narrative because you know that you're getting nourished mm. by God, mm. and so everything you do ends up being a part mm. of that same nourishment to others as well. Wow. I think it's it's unfortunate when when not everyone recognizes that. Mm. Yeah. I see that a lot when I do marital counseling. You know. A husband and wife or an engaged couple mm. that doesn't fully recognize the reality like hey particularly the premarital counseling you gotta realize like you're both called to submit here <laughs> you're both called to a very difficult reality the tendency is though one will take advantage of the other mm-hmm. one person just gives so much more mm. and the other one's like this is awesome. I'll take it. You know, just kind of sits. This is good. But the call of God through the Apostle Paul here in in Ephesians chapter 5, mm-hmm. verse 21, before he gets to the idea that the famed verse, wives submit to your husbands. Um, the verse before it, though, is so paramount. Verse 21, submit to one another mm-hmm. out of reverence to Christ. Yeah, It's a mutual submission experience. Mm-hmm. There must be that reality you just talked about with both people. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to coexist also in, in, in the world we live in in our daily life. Hey, it's okay to do things that others might deem uh, that's, a, that's not a very nice job to take. Yeah. Hey, if this is what I'm called to do right now, I'll do it. Yeah. Because this is what the team needs at this moment. It isn't the, the best job that someone might imagine. Now, also introversion extroversion kind of leads into that some people feel like they're more gifted in this and that's why i think paul also talks about gifts and that's important to live into but mutual submission is really important and it's when we don't understand that give and take together that one can take advantage of the other yeah for years mm-hmm. for years i know this is a new generation and kind of the stereotypes of roles in a relationship somehow have kind of gone out the window. Not in a bad way necessarily in this sense. You know, couples now cook together mm-hmm. a lot in the mm-hmm. 21st century as opposed to, hey, you're the wife, you should probably cook. You know, that's kind of your job. Like, I'll take <laughs> care of the car. Have you ever said that to your wife? <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't admit or deny. Won't admit you know, it's, so it's like, hey, we can serve each other. So some of those stereotypes have been broken down in this 21st century, and some of them are okay. Yeah. You know, especially in some of these things. Hey, we could both do the laundry. Mm-hmm. I remember one, one, uh, one of our older pastors saw me kind of nurturing my son, you know, holding him. I went to go change him. I was caring for him. And he said, man, 50 years ago when I was doing that, we were just in a different world. Wow. I never would have done what you did. Wow. You know, for me, I'm like, man, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love caring for this little guy, this little girl that we have. This is a, it's a privilege. 
And that norm, that stereotype, the father wouldn't do be that nurturing. Hey, I'll gladly break that down. That isn't beneath me to wipe a dirty bottom and to help them when they're screaming. It's, it's okay, yeah. you know. So I think that is the role of, of Christ and that is the role the believer must take. Mm. There is nothing beneath us when Christ calls us to a job in a space with a group of people that is for their best in, in the act of service. Yeah, and that's really what Paul is talking about here because he, he focuses on Christ in this passage, but if you look a few verses up, He's talking about the community of faith and trying to create this idea of mutual submission, not just between husband and wife, but within the community of faith. Yes. Right? In verse right. three, it says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, yes, yeah. but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, mm. but also for the interests of, of others. others. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's putting other people's needs, and and mm. that's very, and the the lesson really points this out well. It's very countercultural because in our culture, it's all about fighting for our own privilege, our own rights, mm. right? And of mm. course, there is a space for that. There is a space, especially if you are an oppressed um, people. It's there is a space to speak up and fight for your rights. Mm -hmm. However, what Paul is talking about here and the way of Christ is actually being willing to speak up for each other. Mm. And um, Zach, one of our, um, the person behind the camera right now, that we don't mention all that often. And hey, yet Zach. He, is, he is so crucial to our operation. Amen. <laughs> he said something very wise um, as we were beginning this, this, this recording. He said that, um, the greater your power and privilege, the more we have to be willing to submit, mm. right? For the sake of the community, mm. right? There is, and that, and we see that modeled in Christ. He was of the highest power and privilege above, I mean, forget Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or any of these people with power. God, it was the highest power and privilege, and yet he was willing to mm. sacrifice the most mm. in order to bring the rest of us up. Mm. And and Paul calls yeah. us to do the same. Yeah, It's a mutual relationship, right? Yeah. It's like in a relationship, it's equal. And the thing is, is when I say equal, I mean in terms of what are your needs and what are your partner's needs? Mm. And how can you meet those needs together? Mm. Because maybe in one family, they culturally grew up with the man always washing dishes and making food mm. but to someone else that might seem counterintuitive mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and so i think mm -hmm. meeting the needs of whoever your partner is is important of that equality right. of, of right. seeing that right and that's the same thing in a community as well of mm. what are your needs if i feel like i'm being oppressed how can someone else who has that power and privilege come in and walk alongside mm. with me to give me that feeling of like oh you know what i'm walking here with you mm. i am just alongside you what are your needs that you need right mm. now i think that's powerful of recognizing mm. yeah. um that our friends in our community can meet us where we are and if our needs are also being spoken out as well i think sometimes it's hard mm. for us to also name it mm. um in whatever situation we may be in um but yeah i think it's important yeah. to recognize that that we're 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 you know, yin and yang, we're equal with each yeah. other as well. You know, yeah. the one important thing to realize is when when you recognize God didn't lose his divinity when he stepped into that role. That's so true. Yeah. You know, God didn't stop being God mm -hmm. just because he humbled himself. Mm -hmm. So when we step into spaces where we are doing a task that others might feel, wow, that's not that big. You don't stop being who you are. Yeah. You don't identify with that task as well. Now you're the you're the foot washing guy. You're you, you know Jesus didn't all of a sudden say, "Hey, now, but that is the task I needed to accomplish. I am your servant." But then he looks at us and and, and he says, "You're no longer slaves. Mm. We you are my friends. I call yeah. you friend now." Uh, we have to shift the mindset. You don't yeah. lose everything. That's... When you step into the role of the of the humble path, yeah, I actually think in this society, if you saw Bill Gates do something that seemed like a menial task, like those people that are around him, like, oh wow, oh, whoa, oh, okay, all right, you know, yeah. um, 
But I wonder if we should leave a little bit of room for the idea that there are important roles people need to fill in society and that not everyone's task is the same. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they are greater or less than. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the idea of spiritual gifts, for instance. When Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians and other places, it's like every one of us has gifts. Equally, the body functions properly when every one of them is working well. Mm -hmm. But now some of us like to say, well, you're just the pinky and I'm the brain. So <laughs> obviously there's more importance to me. Yeah. So I think when we think about submission, we also have to know within the gifting yeah. and submission, everyone is equal as you're bringing up. It doesn't matter the role you play. Yeah. But there must be a mindset of equality amongst us. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why when I see Randy Roberts now, I think, oh, he's that guy who gave watermelon to everyone at family fun night. He's the watermelon guy. I'm just kidding. He, he did, did that, though. He did, a, he did a small task. And it means yeah. so much it to does. people when they see so that. sweet. Yeah. 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 That's so well said because I love how you said that just because we do this task doesn't mean that we lose our identity. Yes. Right? And it's actually, like we said from the very beginning, it is confidence in our identity, in mm -hmm. who God sees us as, that enables us to do any task. Mm -hmm. But the, the focus of the task is not so much whether it is something that the world considers great or lesser. The focus of the task that we are called to do as the body of Christ is for the mutual benefit of the entire body, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The hand isn't just looking out for the hand right? The eye is not just looking out for the eye. The whole point of the eye, the hand, the feet is mm -hmm. the mutual benefit for the entire body. Yeah. So if that's our focus, it's not about, oh, is it a higher level task? Is it a more honored task or yeah. not? It's focus. What is, what is best for the body of for Christ? For the body of Christ. Yeah. yeah. And, and you giving up your identity fully is not what's being called for. Yeah. That actually would be detrimental. Imagine if Jesus said, I'm, I'm giving up my divinity fully, mm. and I'm just going to be a human. We would have all been doomed, <laughs> right? It was only because God chose this form, mm. but remained God himself that yes. he could save all of us. Yeah. So you don't, you should not say like you're giving it all up for the sake of now doing this, whatever it is. Mm. You are still you, though you are doing this in a humble and meaningful way. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think also it kind of just jogs my memory of this conversation I had with um, someone else. We were just talking about our purpose, mm. our calling, right? Mm. I think we put so much emphasis on a purpose or a calling. Um, and I think sometimes it's almost easy to be like, oh, my calling is whatever God wants for me. Or mm -hmm. my calling is to just submit. And, and it's almost this um, easy way out of an answer, right? Yeah. Of like, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, I'm just going to like pray to God and hopefully something will happen. But I think the beauty behind submission, the beauty behind um, being called by God is recognizing that you have an assignment. Mm. It's not about this whole big, like, what's my purpose in life? I think if you look at it in that way, it's almost overwhelming. But if you just see it as this is my assignment and I'm going to do this assignment. In this season. In, in this season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think of Jesus's life, like, he had an assignment, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if we were to look at the grand scheme of his purpose, we would almost forget what his assignment is, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think for us as humans, it's so easy to get lost in the big picture of things. But ultimately, what is it that, is our assignment right now? What is it that we can do in our relationships, in our community, in our church, wherever we may be of our assignment and and maybe adding a sense, a sprinkle of humility and love and submission. But that, again, like you said, it doesn't define us. And if anything, we all have a space at this large table. We're not taking yeah. away from a pie and eventually like it's all gone. Mm. If anything, there's just, we're continuing to grow at the table of Christ yeah. and there's just yeah. more seats being added mm. to it. Mm. And how can we continue this assignment of what we are called to do in mm. this season of life? I love that. He understood the assignment, right? He literally <laughs> understood the assignment. <laughs> he did well. <laughs> For those of you who may not be familiar with the slang that we use right now, you can talk to your uh, Gen younger Gen Z. <laughs> Gen Z. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost. Wait, I you're almost borderline. I'm the older millennial. Yeah. I'm turning 36 soon, so I'm out of even a young adulthood. Yes. So. 
tell you later. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's that that is that is the challenge though. And yet we see over and over again people of God not understanding the assignment, not being willing to submit themselves in order to follow and do what God has called them to do, mm. right? So what is it that keeps us from being able to listen to God and being willing to actually follow through on the assignment that God gives to us? Why do we why do we sometimes chafe at that submission, yeah. that obedience to right, God. Right. Like one of the uh, the stories from the lesson was about Saul, right? Yeah. And Oof. how Saul was given an assignment, right? He was told, okay, I've now anointed, Samuel tells him, I anointed you as king. Now go and in seven days, I'll come and do the sacrifice for you. And he goes and he does not wait because Samuel's a little bit late. He doesn't wait for Samuel and he does it himself, right? Yeah. Let, should we take a look at that passage? Oh, I love it. That's I, in First Samuel chapter 13, yeah. right? I almost like the passage before it too, because mm. it uses, uses key words that bring this out even more. Um, if we looked at If we looked at verse 12 in chapter 12. Do you want to read that for us? Uh, yeah, verse 12. Or you know what? Let's look at verse 15. Okay. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it is against your ancestors. Ooh. Wow. So there's this idea, hey, you're, you're choosing not to be obedient, mm -hmm. but walk in a spirit of rebellion. Mm -hmm. That I think that should be a question each one of us has to ask ourselves. Do I trust God's will in Scripture that is understood by you enough to submit to it? Yeah. Some people say, "Well, do you know the what the will of God is for your life, brother? Are you talking about purpose? You know, you don't have to know this overarching kind of mysterious prayer time with God. You just what does the Word of God say?" And what are you called to do? Here, Samuel in chapter 13 is where you're going to. This was your assignment. Don't sacrifice until I get there. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm telling you to do. Okay. All right, Lord. If you say that's the best way because you've anointed this guy to be the, the prophet, not me, I'll do it. But it's when we choose to walk into the space of being God ourselves. Mm. That's the scary thing. When yeah. you and I, want to say you don't know what's best god mm, i know what's better i know what's better i wow. don't have that issue guys <laughs> I'm just kidding. ah nice Kelly. you're but, the you know. you're the humblest of us all that's what it is that's what it is just kidding no it kind of reminds me of you know have you watched those videos of the kids who are sitting there and they're they're like family members like okay don't eat this marshmallow. Oh, yeah, the marshmallow back. test. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Have you tried that with your kids? I you haven't yet. Funny. I will. I will. <laughs> it was actually mentioned in the lesson. It was the first illustration oh, of the lesson yes. was, the, was the marshmallow <laughs> test. So. But I think like, you know, we we almost jump ahead or we yeah. think we know what we want in our lives better yeah. than God knows ourselves. Yeah. We see this so clearly with Saul, where Saul thinks that he knows better. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to go and... I'm going to bring back the finest things. I'm going to bring mm. back the king. You know, yeah. I'm just, this sounds like a good idea because of the fact that maybe he hasn't felt this sense of humility in him. Maybe yeah. he's like, I think I know better. Yeah. Um, it's almost like when, when, when we are tempted to think that we are wiser than mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it just goes to show like the human, our human nature of yeah. like i think i know better and yet this i love what this passage says is mm. that obedience mm -hmm. is so much greater to god than sacrifices than um than your than what you want ultimately right i think mm. we were reading this in one of i can't remember which chapter in samuel that we read it yeah so, we just recently read this together second, as a team I think it was second samuel yeah. actually well yeah. that was when we were talking about david it was in second samuel yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know now we're being kind of harsh with with Saul, and I so I want to play Saul's advocate okay, and speak up for okay, him. Okay, okay, go ahead. Because I mean, look what he does. He's thirty years old. Okay, he's just been anointed king over over all of Israel, and they've never had a king before, right? 
And so he's trying to establish his authority. God's giving him instructions of what to do. And so he gathers this army together like he was instructed to, right? He gathers all of these, uh, these forces together and he and they wait. They wait for Samuel to come. And it says in verse eight, now he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. So he's waiting. He did. It's not like he did it on the sixth day or the fifth mm. day, right? He waited seven days and Samuel's late, right? And it says, and the people were scattering from him. Oh. So he's losing these people. Like, I mean, what authority does he have? God pronounced him king. How, how much are these people really going to follow him? Mm. So there is this need. I mean, it, I don't know if you, you've ever gone to a new job or you've been in a new position where you feel this need to prove yourself, right? Sure, like sure. prove yourself worthy. And so I kind of get the sense that Saul is feeling right now. He's mm. feeling like, man, I need to show these people I'm in charge. And a lot of times, for better or for worse, people look up to the leaders and expect the leaders to have the answers, right? Oh, sure. And so he's there. They're, they're looking at him. You're king. Mm. Samuel's not coming. Are you going to do something? Are you just going to mm. be wait? Are you a passive king? Or are you an active king? Mm. You know, I, I'm putting words into their mouth, but you can you can kind of get the sense of what Saul was feeling oh, here. Yeah. He's desperate to prove that he is worthy of the call that God has called him to. Yeah. And he's losing these people, which means he's he feels like he's not going to be able to accomplish the task mm. that God has given to him, mm. right? All these people are leaving. How is he going to conquer another army without people, without mm. soldiers? And so out of desperation, he decides, okay, I'm just going to do it. Maybe Samuel forgot, so I'm going to do it. Mm. And so he does the sacrifice. And then Samuel shows up, right? Yes. You know, and then at that moment, you're like, what do I say if I'm Saul? And so he, he says a bunch of self-justifying things like we often do when we, we know we've yeah, messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you can kind of get the feeling of what Saul was, was mm. feeling at that moment mm. when he decides to do this. Because mm. he really did think this was better, mm. right? So how do, we, how do we submit to God? How do we trust God and still... Stay in that space when it feels like we do know what's better in that instance than God does. Mm. Hey, we learned, we read about this. It, you know what? In 1 Samuel chapter 15, again, there's the story of Saul being rejected by, by Samuel because he doesn't kill all the animals, right? Yeah. He saves them. And again, it's this pressure. I think... The pressure of the people, again, yeah. it's the pressure of the people. I think, number one, you've got to ask yourself, who am I trying to impress? Mm. And who am I wanting to please first? Yeah. Wow. Because it's unless you realize oh. you're trying to please God first, then you cannot take control. Yeah. yeah. That means, hey, sometimes we'll do that in relationships. Wow. We will compromise getting ourselves into bad business relationships, bad dating relationships. A bad, you know, I could say wow. dating relationship leads to a bad marriage, you know. Um, and you're like, I got to take things into my own hands because God obviously has forgotten me. Mm. So number one is, are you willing to let go of the control? Mm. And who are you trying to please? Because if you're serving yourself, looking for your own happiness, or you're seeking to please the people around you, you will ultimately fall out of favor with the Lord at times wow. when it's compromising, right? Because yeah. it's good to serve others. That's golden rule, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, love God, love others. Well, wow, that's great. But when it's the compromise of God's principles, mm -hmm. man, you're going to find yourself down in a lot of trouble. And not because, well, I'm the boss and you've got to just listen to me. The Lord is intelligent in how he created order in the world. He isn't arbitrary. Some people like feel frustrated at work because oh, this is just so arbitrary. It's just against me and this is the only... No, no, no. God created a beautiful order and His will is for this order to exist in your life for your best interest. Yeah. That would be the second thing. Yeah. Do you trust and know that He's got your best interest in mind? Yeah. Wow. Those two, I think, are really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who are you trying to please? And you know God's best interest is for you. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I was just thinking, like, we read a little bit of Samuel last night with yeah. a group of our elders. And it reminds me, this exact question kind of reminds me of that, where 
you see Samuel rebuking Saul and here, you know, Samuel comes, he shows up and he's like, what have you done? Mm -hmm, and Saul mm -hmm. just, you know, you read chapter 13, verse 12, 11, 12. Saul replied and he just goes off. He just mm. is justifying himself in mm. every single way possible. Yeah. And then you flip to second Samuel chapter 12. And this is where Nathan rebukes David for mm. taking Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And so you read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Mm. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Yes. And that's it. That's it. That's all he says. Wow. He says, I have sinned. He recognizes his his own place of where he sits in God's eyes. Mm. But not only that, he recognizes, like, I've done something wrong, and it was out of my own selfishness. It was me, mm. and I'm so sorry, God. Mm. Um, and I think, like, I just think that... He's not trying to justify himself. He's not trying to justify himself. Yeah. And, and if anything, he recognizes, God, you are placed first and foremost in my life, mm. and I have sinned I greatly. messed it up. And that yeah. is all. And you do with me what you need mm. to, because I recognize mm. that. Of having that sort of humility in your life as well, whereas Saul mm. was like, "Well, let me tell you." Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. But yeah. God is continuously a God of relationship, of mm. love, and He wants to continue that relationship. And David continues his life and continues to do great things. And you read that God continues to bless David despite what he does. Right? That's mm. important because David didn't do anything le anything less bad. Yeah, it's actually worse. Even yeah. worse. Yeah. But he experienced the grace wow. and forgiveness of God because he owned up to his faults. Wow. I I took the authority from the Lord and I should not have. Lord, yeah. forgive me. Um, one of my professors back in seminary, George Knight, he wrote a book, I Used to Be Perfect. Mm -hmm. And he outlined this idea of sin. I thought it was just so good. You know, there's this sin that's a capital S sin. Mm -hmm. And then there's lowercase sins. The little uppercase sin is when you take God off the throne in your heart mm -hmm. and you place yourself there, then all the actions, mm -hmm. symptoms of that sin emerge. Wow. Then comes the stealing, the lying, the, you know, the name all the sins that could emerge. But it's the first act of removing God from the place where mm. he should be. Yeah. You know, and I think of that in, in relationships when someone's coming for counseling and it's like a non-believer and a believer. And it's like, guys, I don't know how you're going to make this work because you don't have the authority of God in your life above you. You're the authority when you don't accept Jesus as your savior, when you don't accept God as being above you and you do. So how do you submit to this person in your relationship? Mm. You really can't. Mm. It's, it's out of order. So each one of us has to equally first submit to God. Then we can submit to other people. And then working through the graces of the Lord, when we fall out of the order, falling back into order as David did, Lord, I messed up. Mm. Forgive me, Father, yeah. for I have sinned. Because submission isn't easy. And I, I know there's that song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way <laughs> to be happy in Jesus. But, and it's, I, I believe in those words, but I think we should also say learning to trust and obey. Mm. Because sometimes it's, it's difficult. And so you have to recognize there's a process to obedience. Mm. Um, sometimes you don't have a process. When you're told, hey, don't walk on the street, and you walk on the street, you could get really hurt really badly. And there's only one chance in that moment. Like, you messed up. I think of several individuals that I've worked with throughout my life, and it's just like, man, one act changed everything. One mm -hmm. moment of disobedience had that level of consequence that was so heavy. One young man who drove over 100 miles an hour through these country roads back in Michigan where we were at ended up tragically killing a whole family mm. there near a town in Bering Springs. It was one moment. He can't go back. It couldn't be less consequence. They all died. It's over. Mm. Um, and so when we talk about obedience and the paramount to obedience there in, in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, you know, Samuel rebukes David and like, listen, uh, Saul, and he's like, I don't want your sacrifices. Mm. I need obedience. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much that hinges on obedience at times that we don't 
always see in our picture. Mm -hmm. It's like, gosh, that decision is going to lead to this and this. And I see that, but you don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's, it's also so interesting to use the words obedience and submission because a lot of times we use those words and it's almost like cringe in our generation now, sure. right? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. But when I think of obedience to God and submission to God, I think of it as just the way I think of my friendships with people. Mm. It's just, it's out of love that I do these things. It's out of humility that I do these things. Mm. It's out of a true relationship that I have with my Heavenly Father who knows and loves mm. me and cares for me to the deepest yes. extent. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I think when when I think of obeying God, I think of, first of all, it's practice, right? Mm. Like I don't, I'm not born out of the womb and I'm like, I know how to obey God. If anything, I want to run away from God, just <laughs> yeah. like what Adam and Eve did. I think of obedience now and in this time of my life, how does that look to me? How is that mm. relevant? How is obedience and submission relevant in 2022? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a hard question because it's not a one size fits all. Because for me personally, I work in an Adventist institution. So mm. for me, my my obedience and submission might look different to someone who works at a bar, mm-hmm. right? Um, but ultimately, I believe that whatever it is that my assignment is in this moment, of what I feel called to do in this moment and in this season of my life, mm. is to continue to nurture, continue to walk with my community. Mm. And in that way, I feel like that is my calling to mm. obedience mm. and submission. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel at, at all as... Um, like a prison or a cage, mm-hmm. because mm. I think sometimes we think of it of like, oh, you have to obey. Mm. You have to. It's kind of like when you think of your parents, you're like, but I don't, I don't want to go home. Yeah. And mm. your parents are like, it's time to go home. Yeah. It's not that kind of feeling. And if anything, I would say there's so much freedom walking in obedience and submission with God, mm. because ultimately, what He does for us is to love on us and yeah. to show us what's best for us. And even though me, as someone who doesn't truly understand or or really want to do that at times, or is maybe suffering, going through a season of rebellion. In those times and in those spaces, I am reminded that there is so much more that I just don't see right now Mm. that I know that God has for me on the other side. Wow. Mm. So that relationship makes all the difference, right? That relationship with God. Such a good point. Such a good When you know that God loves you deeply, Mm -hmm. you're more willing to be or learn in the practice of submission to him. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we said from the very beginning, our sense of value and identity comes from God, mm. right? Yeah. And when we know that God sees us as worthy and lovable and care, it, like the way that he sees us, it, it makes it so much easier to submit because submission is not from a hard taskmaster who's trying to demean us. Mm. But submission to God comes from a place of realizing that God wants what's best for us and actually yeah. following God is what's best yes. for us. And when we really believe that, that's that's so powerful. And, mm. you know, we we empathized with Saul a little bit in this instance, but that that really was the challenge with Saul, right? He saw this instance where people were running away and he thought the only way that I'm going to be successful as king is if these people respect mm. me and if I'm able to win this battle with my army. That's yeah. the only way that I'm going to be successful right. as a king, not realizing actually it's not by might no. nor by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. Wow. Right? That is where the power comes Ooh. from. And so, so that, that's the challenge that we, I think, face hmm. every single day yeah. is that that decision. Will I trust to follow? Because a lot of times we think that we have to go- accomplish God's calling no matter what. But hmm. I think the point that you both brought, have brought out beautifully is that God's calling needs to be accomplished within in line with God's character. Yes. Right? Yes. And when we stray outside of God's character, when we're in such a rush, we're trying to get this accomplished no matter what, that's when we get into trouble. Mm, yeah. You can't go contrary to his will in the word to accomplish what you think is right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And and you can't accomplish it in the way that you think is best. I think mm. of also the story of Gideon. He's like, hey, I got this huge army. We're going to take those people out. Yeah. And God's like, oh, you got way too many. I have a different way I want to do that. What, yeah. Lord? No way. Are you kidding? Yeah. And he whittles it down to 300. Again, bring this idea. Hey, he has a plan. And through that, 
Mm. He's actually, as we talked about last week, he's he's refining your character. You brought up this idea of practice. Mm-hmm. You're you're becoming more like who I need you to be through this if you're willing to submit along the way. Yeah. You will learn more about me and yourself through yeah. that. Yeah. And I think it almost gives you a sense of relief when you realize the successes and the failures of like what one of my mentors told me was, hey, the success and the failure of your ministry doesn't rely on you. Mm-hmm. It's entirely on God. Yeah. And that is such a sense of relief. It just takes off a huge burden of realizing it's not me. Mm-hmm. And if I leave, which hopefully I don't leave anytime soon, but if I leave, you know, if there's this gap now, Mm. It's gonna be filled because God mm. is truly in You mean it. leaving this position? Yeah. Yeah. Leave, not like, leaving the church, not leaving uh, God. Okay. <laughs> all yeah. of it. If he left all of it. Ah. <laughs> yes, but God will accomplish what God will accomplish yes. regardless of, yeah. of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's that trust and that belief. What a wonderful way to wrap up today. Kelly, will you pray for us? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, Lord, what an honor it is. To be a part of your kingdom. Mm-hmm. What an honor it is to be a part of your story, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I pray for the next week that we just ruminate on what obedience, on what submission means, Lord, mm-hmm. and our relationship with you and our relationship with our community, our friends, our family. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that we we will continue to keep our eyes on you. Mm-hmm. That, Lord, your love and the character that you show through these beautiful pages of the Bible, that we see your love through it all, Lord. Mm. And through it all, Lord, we continue to walk alongside with you and to obey and to submit, whatever that may mean for each of us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, friends, remember to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to continue to learn to trust and obey. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful, happy Sabbath. Mm -hmm.